Reyes Talk today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Happy Kokomo Friday. Happy Alex Reyes Friday. Well, not quite, but Alex Reyes will be back uh, joining the rotation in just a few days. Adam Azer with Scott White and Chris Towers. Good morning. Happy Friday, guys. Hello. Happy Friday to you, Adam. Thank you. I think we have a fun show. We got a new segment today. It is called Fantasy Math, and I will ask you which is greater, and then I will give you Two stats from two, you know, stats from different players. I won't give you the actual stats. You'll have to guess what the actual stats are. But it'll be fun. I think we'll have a nice time with it. Uh, we will get you ready for Fantasy Week 10 with two star pitchers. We'll talk about yesterday's standouts. Was I crazy to be adding Danny Duffy? We'll find out. Let's start with the stat of the day. The Colorado Rockies have played the fewest home games in Major League Baseball. They have played 18 home games. Now they are about to start a nine-game homestand, which should correct that. Is there anything, as we like to say, actionable for today's stat of the day with Colorado having the fewest home games as of right now in Major League Baseball? It kind of puts into perspective just how bad so many of their hitters have been. They haven't, like, it's basically been one-third of their games at home, right? And a lot of that was in freezing temperatures. True. So, um so there may be some correction coming for the for really all their hitters because Charlie Blackman doesn't have the high BABIP he normally does at this point of the season. Not that anyone's really doubting him. I I'm not sure what to make of it for like Tyler Anderson and Kyle Freeland who've both been kind of on the fringes of being mixed league relevant, um, but historically have been better at home. But Coors Field is obviously a terrible place to pitch. So does this mean? Things are about to get worse for them or better. I would I would lean worse, but the track record says otherwise. And I think for me, if there's one hitter that I might want to just buy low on if I can right now, just today before this homestand starts or early in the homestand, it's Trevor's story. I do believe that he is going to be much, much better at home. And so far he has been. He is slugging 898 at home and slugging 290 on the road. So... I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's enough to buy low because there's so much of the season left. There still are going to be a lot of road games, but uh, you, you're going to get some good production from Trevor's story coming and, up. And he's been like a must-start shortstop anyway. So, are you going to pry away somebody's one and only shortstop? Probably. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but unlike. Who would you rather have rest of season, Glaber Torres or Trevor Story? Glaber Torres. I. Hmm. I have I have Torres in my top twelve at the position, but I do think I have Story ahead of him. Still. Well, Scott, you should have traded for Trevor Story yesterday. Then. Yeah. Um, dynasty situation is different. That's where I that's where I acquired Torres from Chris last night. That's what that was a reference to. Yeah. By the way, uh, we'll talk Alex Reyes and and his keeper, his long term value. We also have an update on what the Cardinals might do with their rotation from a, a po- an unlikely podcast. Tell you more about that. Who is your favorite two-start pitcher? Looks like there are some good options for next week. Luis Gohara, you might see him listed as a two-start pitcher. He will not be a two-star pitcher. And uh, you will not see Alex Reyes, but there is a chance he will be a two-star pitcher. He's 85% owned. But of the guys who are available, let's say less than 70% owned, who are your, who is uh, who is or who are one or two of your favorite two-star pitchers? Caleb Smith. That's the obvious answer. Yeah. He's got at San Diego, at Arizona. And it's been an up and down couple of weeks for Caleb Smith. Sometimes he's striking out everyone. Sometimes he's walking everyone. But you got to love those matchups. He's 58% owned. Uh, Yeah. And below 70% because you have Vince Velasquez who's 73 and he's pretty good, obviously. At the Dodgers, at at the Giants. Yeah. Below that. Oh, there's a couple good ones. Well, I like Kyle Gibson. Yeah, that's at KC the versus Cleveland's a tough matchup, but he's he's slowed down lately. But there are yeah. still interesting signs from him going back to last year. Well, here's the thing: this is the busiest week so far, I believe, because every team's playing Monday since it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, only eight teams have six games, 
this week, which, you know, with, with more off days built into the schedule, it seems like there's been a lot fewer seven games a week than normal. 22 teams play seven or more games to actually play eight. So there are going to be a lot of two-star pitchers, and it looks like a lot, especially on the high end, above this threshold. So it may be a week where you don't have to turn to the waiver wire for two-star sleepers just because you have so many two-star options on your roster already. That's true. Uh, but Marco Gonzalez, we do need to talk about again, just in this segment here. He's 32% owned. He has the Rangers and the Rays at home, and I think he'll be a popular one. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. Caleb, Caleb Smith, Kyle Gibson, Marco Gonzalez might be the headliners. Later on, we'll talk about Steven Matz. Um, maybe, maybe take a shot on. Lin- uh, I don't know if I want to take a shot on Lance Lynn. <laughs> we probably shouldn't talk about Steven Matz. Well, we should just to say that we probably shouldn't, if you know what I mean. He's been talked about. Let's go to the big news: the Rays sent Willie Adamas to AAA. Not a surprise. Hopefully, he's back soon. I will be stashing him in a 13-team roto league for sure. Uh, Roberto Ozuna could face a significant suspension, according to John Heyman. He is denying the allegations. Not Heyman. Ozuna's uh, denying the allegations, and well, you know how droppable is he in in an AL only league? Somebody asked me if they should drop Ozuna in an AL only league. I had trouble no. with that one. What do you guys think? No, you can't. Not in an AL only league where there's only 15 people in that role at any one time. I don't. I mean, we'll have to see how the legal situation shakes out, obviously, but I, I suspect we'll see him again this year. And he's, you know, when he's on the field, he's a top 10 closer. So, uh, I would think even in some deeper mixed roto leagues, he's probably worth stashing. Okay. Roberto Bozuna. The Royals are letting teams know that they will be sellers, according to John Heyman. It might not be a true or false. It might not be a bad idea to sell Kelvin Herrera while you've still got him uh, as a closer. Yeah, I'm going to have to start looking into that because I've got a lot of Calvin Herrera right now. Um, boy, I hope he doesn't lose his job. And Shohei Otani's next start is being pushed back, which is a real shame. You know Major League Baseball is not happy about this. because I'm they, not happy about that. Yeah, but Us, you, us you, weekly league owners aren't happy about that. It seems like because obviously they're, they're going every six day, turns for Otani, every sixth turn as opposed to every fifth like most pitchers. So he's been stuck on this Sunday track. All season, which means the, anytime they decide to hold him back, you get zero starts from yeah, this Yeah, it's been the third time? I think so. I think it's been the third time where you've probably started him and gotten no starts. But now what's going to happen? Well, they, they haven't even announced the date for his next start. But what I was saying is baseball is going to be upset because it was supposed to be Otani versus Tanaka, which would have uh. been a bi- really big deal in Japan. Um, and that was going to be on Sunday. But instead, Otani will not be pitching in that game against the Yankees. He might be hitting in that game. Um, they haven't announced his next start. I guess we'll update you on Monday. Uh, and, well, no, we won't have a show on Monday. You'll have to make, you'll, you'll know. You'll know whether or not to start him next week. But they're just trying to manage his workload. And yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of the hazards of owning Otani in a, in a weekly league. He's much more valuable in a daily league. All right. Let's talk about the man of the hour, Alex Reyes. Getting a lot of emails. Hey, I want to trade for Alex Reyes. Or hey, I have Alex Reyes and I've been getting so many offers. Scott, where do you rank Reyes? This year, among starting pitchers. 45th, which, I, I mean, is a pretty big vote of confidence considering he he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's made five career major league starts. But this, I mean, it's, it's the most impressive rehab assignment I've ever seen. Three consecutive starts in which he allowed just one hit and had 12 or more strikeouts. Um... And obviously, prior to the Tommy John surgery, he was considered the best pitching prospect in baseball. So I have him 45th to start out. I would have no hesitations about starting him this upcoming week, even though we're unsure whether it'll actually be two starts or not. And uh, very excited. I, I should mention this. So, so Will Brinson, who hosts our Pick 6 podcast, he had uh, Will Leach on his show, and this is a football podcast, but at the very end they talk baseball. Will Leach is the co-host of the Seeing Red podcast, which is a St. Louis Cardinals podcast. And he asked him what's going to happen in the rotation. And Leach said that the the Rangers, or the Rangers, the uh, Cardinals could use a four-on-six-man rotation. I think that's what he called it. He said that Carlos Martinez, when he's healthy, Miles Michaelis, and Michael Waka would pitch in their regular rotation turn. 
Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty, and Luke Weaver could go two out of every three turns. That was his speculation. I think he said it was based on what uh, maybe his co-host, the beat writer for the Cardinals, thought. That's what? all we've got right now. That's all I got right now. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it'd be a good way to limit the innings for the young pitchers other than just, like, shutting them down for a month at a time. Uh, and, and obviously it's only going to apply when everybody's healthy, which won't be the case this upcoming week. And th- that's the way I look at it is, like, that might be their plan, but there's no real plans with pitchers. And, and so yeah. the, the plan, again, just in case you missed it, was that Michaelis, Waka, and Carlos Martinez – Pitch regularly, make all their spot, all their turns in the rotation, and the three younger ones, Flaherty, Reyes, and Weaver, every two out of every three turns, they sort of all. Yeah, it would be it would be frustrating for like lineup setting purposes. We'd be getting into this, you know, kind of the same issue we're dealing with with Otani for, uh, for what's actually the three most exciting pitchers the Cardinals have. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Well, no, Carlos Martinez is the best. Never mind. Not the three most exciting they have, but three exciting pitchers. All right, so I, I think it's interesting, Scott, that you have John Lester and Jake Arrieta ranked ahead of Alex Reyes. Yeah. Not wrong, just interesting. Considering what yeah, we, what I we mean, said that's, about that. that's kind of where the discomfort is, because obviously I don't like those two, and I very much like Reyes. Um, but that's that's me putting on my sensible I'm a ranker hat versus um, – I am going to gamble on upside hat. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the inning situation is going to be for him. What do you think the ERA, if you had to guess an ERA for Alex Reyes? 3.62. I was going to go like 3.46. Okay. Wow. So I'll just take like 3.5. A lot of helium. (laughs) (laughs) 3.54 right in the middle. Uh, And what about in Dynasty Leagues? Is he... A top 20 starting pitcher in a long-term league? Probably not, but I he might just barely be squeezed outside that group. There's a lot of exciting young pitchers, and, and even like, you know, the Scherzer, Sale, like, he's well, Sale's ex- not that old. He's as exciting as any pitcher could be Yeah, in this, like... Pitchers shouldn't be that valuable in Dynasty just because they're so unpredictable. You know, Alex Reyes two years ago was supposed to be the guy to carry your rotation and well he's right he, still he, likely he gonna get will there. eventually but it's yeah it's been it's taken two years you know um yeah like we were excited about him in the 2016 preseason all right is, so, it, is this a stupid question to ask would you rather no. have clayton kershaw or alex reyes in a dynasty league you'd rather have kershaw you it's would. not stupid to ask, though, uh, about a week or two ago, I did a kind of a dynasty check-in at the quarter point of the season, and in that was the five players who've lost the most value in dynasty leagues, and Clayton Kershaw was number five on that list because the health concerns are um, are expanding, and there does seem to be, the this season and last season, there does seem to be an effect on his performance, uh, you know, albeit a slight one. Alrighty, guys, let's uh, get into yesterday a little bit. Email of the day number one, Nate from Philly. Dear Ben, Rob, Owen, and Blythe. Are those that? That's the that's the cast of Meet the Parents. Who who's Blythe? Blythe Danner. That's the girl. No. Who's Blythe Danner? That's the, that's the mom. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> She's a famous actress. Okay, according to you. Are we putting Dylan Bundy back in the circle of trust? I mean, can you really trust another human being, Greg? Can can you milk Dylan Bundy? (laughs) Uh, See, my reaction was, oh, Dylan, you kidder. Those three awful starts. You had us all running scared, and here you go again. Like, my mine was he should have never left the circle of trust. And mine is, like, I, I... my circle of trust, I like to have like a 93 mile per hour fastball cutoff, and he doesn't, he doesn't get there. It scares me a little, but I mean, this is, alright, complete game, three runs at the White Sox, 14 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's been better lately for sure. Yeah, three good starts in a row after the three disasters. Except, the only thing is, 
two starts ago at Boston, he did give up three home runs. I don't care about the four runs. He gave up three home runs, and that's 14 on the year, I think he has. Um, that's forgivable, yeah, I think, I at mean, Boston. It was, it was a start that I, I look at the line and I think, okay, this is the start of a good pitch. And I was watching that Agreed. game and like it was rainy, I'm pretty sure, like throughout the entire game. It was just, it was a kind of a weird start and watching it, I didn't think he pitched that poorly. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good stuff from Dylan Bundy. And, uh, do you like him better than Reyes? I do. Sure, yeah. I do. Okay. Upside for Reyes is probably a little higher, but there's a lot of, a lot more unanswered questions there. Would you take Sean I or Dylan Bundy? Bundy. Chris. I mean, I, I take I take Reyes over Manaya, so. Chrissy Pooh? I was hoping we'd just move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> We're back to trusting Dylan Bundy. That's the bottom line. Email of the day number two from Richie from Hollywood. Can we discuss sophomore slumps? It's always been a back and forth about how real this theory is, but off the top of my head, on the higher end, I'm thinking about Bellinger, Hoskins, Devers, Olsen, and Hap. All B seems to be the only one who has taken strides forward, although they are huge strides. Uh, although he did write Hugh Strides. That was, I don't know if that was a typo or if there's a guy named Hugh Strides, and this is a joke, I don't know. But, uh, can we discuss the sophomore slump? Richie wants us to discuss it. It has been quite real this year, guys. Well, I mean, it's not like, it's not like I'm not expecting Bellinger and Hoskins to bounce back in a big way. Um, uh, something I feel like Chris likes to point out every time we have this discussions is usually, usually the sophomore slump. It's, it's a case like Hoskins last year where what they did as a rookie was clearly unsustainable. Now obviously he's gone further and the correction's gone much further than we feared. But like I said, the underlying numbers suggest there's, there's a, a bounce back around the corner too. So it's too early to, uh, bang the gavel on that one. Right, but the I, sophomore slump isn't about the stats not being as good. The sophomore slump is about, like, this player's just not playing well. And see, like, in Rafael Devers' case, like, the walk rate's about what it was last year. The strikeout rate's a little bit higher, but not really. Like, 24% to 25.5%. That's the, it, the ISO's basically the same. The big difference is 342 Babbitt last year, 276 this year. That's that's most yeah. of the difference. I mean, a lot of the Devers' excitement early in the season was anticipating improvement, and he's just kind of stagnated. Yeah. A sophomore slump, I mean, it exists. It happens. And I think I do wonder if, you know, you took, like, guys going into their seventh year, how many of them would would have, would have be worse than their sixth year? You know, Well, they, that, but that's – that gets into, like, guys in their seventh year are going to be more predictable. Guys in their – I think it's not so much a sophomore slump as it's just, like – Guys with only one year, they have a high degree of variability. And that goes for guys who struggle in their first year and are better in their second year. We don't know who they are yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we can look at a full season of Cody Ballinger or 60 games from Reese Hoskins and say, well, we look at these stats and we look at these underlying skill-based metrics and we think we know who they are. But even those skill-based metrics, hard hit rate or swinging strike rate or contact rate or launch angle, like, those things are also prone to variability. They're prone to slumps. They're prone to peaks and valleys in the same way that any of the more traditional stats are. And so I think one thing we run into with young players is we think we, we assume we know more than we actually do. And, and that's probably more what it is. Well, yeah, and I, I think I'm hesitant to have too many of those guys on my team. But, you know, that also let's let's throw one more name out there because Albies has been great. But. Technically, Aaron Judge is a sophomore. And that's when it always gets complicated. It's like, how much playing time, how much playing time qualifies? Cause, cause Judge is in his third year, but he, he only played 27 games. He had 84 at bats in 2016. And then, you know, I think he was second for MVP last year. Uh, it, there are no hard, hard yeah, and fast rules. It, it, that's right. The thing. It's, it, no, it's not like there are plenty of sophomores who just keep it going too. Yeah. It's, it's not something. Like, you can't say, oh, this guy's a sophomore, so he's going to be worse. It's not as simple as that. I, I am uh, inclined, having gotten burned by sophomores a number of times in the past, to downgrade them from what my initial instinct tells me they should be. I mean, that's that's what happened with Reese Hoskins. Him being a fourth or fifth-round pick, like, he looked more like a second or third-round pick based on how he performed last year. So... 
you know, I, I don't think we were um, too aggressive with them. Baseball is hard, and it's not just it sophomores, you know? Like, Ronald Acuna, the best prospect of the last eight years, is struggling. And he's not a sophomore, so we don't. it doesn't fit neatly into the narrative, but we get really excited about young guys because there's always this world of potential. And just as there's the world of potential, there's also the the struggling that that you have to take into account. But but you're kind of wrong about something because if Ronald Acuna were in college right now, he probably would be a sophomore. Ah, he might be a junior. (laughs) I think he'd be a junior. He's 20. All right, I'm wrong. I apologize. All right, let's move on. That's the sophomore slump. Thanks for the email. Much more importantly, it is Memorial Day weekend. It is a great time to go to a baseball game. I would love to get myself to the Yankees-Astros game on Monday. And if I do go, I can promise you I will be using the SeatGeek app to get there. We have two ways for you to save money when you use the SeatGeek app. Number one, if you've never made a purchase on SeatGeek before, or on SeatGeek.com, by the way, you can also do it there. Use the code FANTASY. You will be showing support for our podcast, which would be greatly appreciated. You will also get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, if you've already used the code FANTASY, why don't you go ahead and use the code TODAY? Today is the code, and that will get you 10 bucks off any baseball tickets you buy. And if you've already used both of those codes, or if you want to go to a concert or comedy or theater and it's not baseball and you can't use the code today, well, SeatGeek's still saving you money by searching multiple ticket sites, pulling in all the results, showing you the best deals, doing all that work for you to save you time and money, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. So go to a game, everybody. Have a great time this weekend. Do something fun, and use SeatGeek to get there. Fantasy is the code for 20 bucks off your first purchase, and today is the code for 10 bucks off MLB purchases. All right, Thursday's standouts, other than Dylan Bundy. Scott White, who stood out? So let's talk a little about Rick Porcello, who had another bad start. This is three of four, raising his ERA from 214 to 374. Uh, a guy who I think everybody but Chris was believing was more back, more or less back to being good Rick Porcello. Was and Heath, obviously a bad four start stretch doesn't. I feel like um, Heath, uh, I feel like Heath wasn't really in. Well. He's always been. Chris, I don't Chris know. you know Heath better than Heath knows Heath. Yeah. Uh, I I I don't remember. Okay, okay. Heath. I think Chris or no Heath was saying like ah forget it. Go ahead. Heath keeps it. rankings and has Porcello about as high as I do. Okay. So. That, that um, matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heath. So Porcello's ERA is up to three seventy four. His FIP is still two ninety. Um, he's still. Doing a good job getting ground balls with the two seamer that wasn't really at his disposal last year. Uh, he's still one of the elite control pitchers in baseball. His strikeout rate is actually better than we usually give him credit for. It's close to one per nine or one per inning. Like I, I'm not panicking about Rick Porcello. Okay. Would Would you rather have Alex Reyes or Rick Porcello? I would rather have Alex Reyes. See, I was wrong earlier when I said I'd rather have Reyes than Manaya, because I do have Manaya ahead still. I, I think sensible ranker me is going to say Porcello. Would you rather have Michael Waka or Rick Porcello? I Porcello. think I'd rather have Michael Waka. All right, sounds like Scott is looking to buy low on Rick Porcello. I, I mean, the thing is, like, even in a bad scenario, let's say he's a four ERA pitcher. He's still a guy who goes at seven and eight innings frequently for arguably the best offense in baseball. Yeah. Like compare that to somebody like Waka who may struggle to get 180 innings if it, based on historical precedent. Like I don't think, I don't think it's close. Chris, who's a standout for you? Luis Castillo. He's, he's back. Yeah. He's a must start, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, there have still been some control issues lately, specifically the five-walk outing against the Chicago Cubs two starts ago. But actually, other than that, his last six starts, it's been two, one, or zero walks. He's been, you know, right, I think above a strikeout per inning basically since the start uh, at Minnesota when he gave up five runs in, two, in one inning. Like the velocity's down a little bit, but he still throws pretty much harder than all but five people in baseball. And 
you know, he's getting a lot of swinging strikes and he's getting a lot of strikeouts. And I, I think Luis Castillo is fine. Uh, I tell you what, I let's think do some. He had some stuff to figure out early. Yeah, let's do some. Let's do some rankings of the five-man rotation from yesterday. The the uh, guys who are owned basically universally and started in most leagues. Castillo is the exception. He's actually only eighty-five percent owned. He was only started in fifty percent of leagues. I know it's it's weird. Um. Charlie Morton's going to be one. I'll just spoiler alert. Morton one. Now, how would you rank the following four? Luis Castillo, Mike Clevenger, strikeout rate is way down, walk rate down as well. Uh, and according to the Akron Beacon Journal, he, he's just had a lot of trouble avoiding the big inning this year. But yet he still has a 332 ERA. Um, so Luis Castillo, Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, and Rick Porcello. How would you rank those four? Castillo, Clevenger, Snell, Porcello. Snell, Clevenger, uh, I'm sorry, Snell, Castillo, Clevenger, and Porcello. Yes, that is the correct objective <laughs> answer. <laughs> and Charlie Morton is the number seven starting pitcher in points, number six in Roto right now. He has a 204 ERA, which isn't even the best on the Astros, and 75 strikeouts and 61 and two-thirds. And the, the only thing about Charlie Morton is just health. Sure. Like, he's had trouble staying healthy if – if he stays healthy, I think he's a stud. I'm going to go through some other standouts real quick. Austin Meadows is 52% owned. He is batting 440 with three homers and a steal in six games. No walks, but only one strikeout. Can they keep him up, or is this just a short-term thing for Austin Meadows, Pirates outfielder? So Meadows is, like, he struck out once. Did you mention that? Yeah, yeah, one strike. Yeah, no walks, out one once, strikeout. Three home runs already. Like, this is. I, they can't keep him up. Like, there, there's just not, there's just not an avenue there. They're going to teach somebody to play first base. That would mean bumping Josh Bell. Like, there's, there's, there's no opening. Corey Dickerson. But, well, no, they're I, not, I, not yet. Scott. They're not close not to yet. that move yet. But it's, but it's later possible in the it could happen at some point right. this season. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is the latest and one of the strongest signals yet even acknowledging it's a small sample size but it's just been so far beyond my expectations um i i really feel like with prospects scouting reports count for a lot more than minor league production we've seen so many examples of it over the years glaber torres himself um being another one here recently well glaber torres did hit really well last year but not with this kind of power Sure, but the issue there was he got hurt. Like and, he was having a breakout season. And for and and to be clear, like I was expecting the the sort of okay, I'm going to be better in the majors than I ever was in the minors from Torres. But it looks like uh, Meadows could be another example of that as well. Because the scouting reports, like the the prospect rankings, they never really let up, despite some unappetizing productions in the minors. And we should talk about. The report that came out yesterday released by MLB about the baseballs and how they, 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 10 experts studied baseballs and they've concluded that that ball is traveling farther, but it's not because of the uppercut swings. It's because of the drag on the ball. They can't quite figure out why. I'm sure Chris has tons to say about this. I will let you get to that, uh, in a little bit, Chris, I promise. Danny Duffy, 46% owned. Do you think we should pick him up after a good start at Texas? Seven and two-thirds, one run, five strikeouts. Now, something I want to say on the Sportsline DFS podcast yesterday, Heath was talking about how there was an article about Danny Duffy mentioning how bad his slider has been. Yesterday, after his start, he said his slider felt great. So that could be an encouraging development. Do you have interest in adding Danny Duffy? Not after just one start like this, especially with a pretty low strikeout total. The walks and home runs have just... Buried him this year, uh, but but something I did notice in in um, you know looking at all the data surrounding this start is he's actually throwing harder now than he did at any point last year. So that issue is behind him. Wonder if it's affecting his command though. Yeah, so for me, I picked up Duffy in two leagues. I dropped Jake Faria and I dropped um, Freddie Peralta. So oh, those are easy moves, right? Me. Right. It's not. I'm not starting him next week by any means, but. Try to maybe he turns things around and I've already got him. And Jared Hughes got a save for the Reds. He could be the short-term answer. Again, this is a, a biceps injury for Rysel Iglesias that's in his non-throwing arm. But it was Jared Hughes if you just need something 
in the short term, maybe that's probably the guy. All right, so let's do some fantasy math. New segment alert. Let's have fun with it. Which number is greater? Billy Hamilton steals or Nelson Cruz's home runs? Like you're asking us to guess? Yes. Billy Hamilton steals. Yes. Hamilton steals. You guys are correct. Do you want to guess by the, the margin? Two. Uh, Hamilton has nine steals? Billy Hamilton Three. has eight steals. Nelson okay. Cruz has seven home runs. Okay. Which number is more worrisome to you? Uh, Billy Hamilton steals by far. Yep. Would you look to buy low on Nelson Cruz? He's only batting 222 this year. Yeah. Yeah, he's old enough that there's a chance he's just done, but I don't think he is. All right, which number is greater? Manny Machado's home runs or Buster Posey's RBIs? <laughs> I'm going to say Machado's home runs. This is, like, it's such an outlandish comparison that I'm going to assume it's Machado's home runs, just so this is an interesting exercise. It is not. Buster Posey has one more RBI, 16 uh, RBI. But it's close enough to make it Compared to 15 home runs from Machado. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, I don't know that there's much analysis there, but it's fun. I mean, like, I, we didn't talk about this yesterday, Scott, when, when we were debating with Heath, Gary Sanchez versus Buster Posey in points leagues. I'm sure Heath will eventually move Sanchez ahead. Was, was that a debate? How how far ahead is Sanchez? I didn't he, listen to it. He's so far ahead of Posey. Yeah, I mean, like, he, as of yesterday, he was, he was 20 points ahead of the number two catcher who was not Buster Posey. I don't. And remember. he was better on a per game basis last year. Yeah, he's, he's he's running away at the position, and yeah. that's with like a 220 Babbitt. And we and that's. What everybody <laughs> except for Heath expected to happen. But I think um, I'd rather. Have, I, look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to bury Heath. The 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 logic was sound. Buster Posey has a safer track record. The skill, but like, he just doesn't hit for power anymore. No, and I think I'd. I, what I was gonna say is, I think I might. I'd rather have Wilson Contreras than Posey. Not in Roto because the the batting average is so valuable. But mm-hmm. if there's more than five categories, like if we're talking like total bases or something like that, or slugging percentage. Uh, I think I'd rather have Contreras, guys. And th- there are reasons to believe that better times are ahead for Buster Posey. It is yeah. worth saying. Yeah, that He's are- still hitting the ball pretty hard. His home run to fly ball rate has been cut in half. That won't continue. But and, and the Giants' offense isn't an embarrassment anymore. It's it's right behind Milwaukee. It's 21st in baseball, but considering it's an NL team and, and the you know it's right play. behind St. Louis and Milwaukee, like it's not an embarrassment. Yeah, he, he, he hasn't been bad either. Let's just you know he has not been bad, but certainly yeah. yeah, okay. Um, what's, which is greater? Mike Trout's <laughs> home runs plus steals plus walks or Joey Gallo's strikeouts? Combining the home runs, steals, and walks okay, of so Mike, Mike Trout. Okay, Mike Trout probably has around 60 home runs, steals, and walks, right? I don't know. Just, yeah, I'm right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm gonna I mean, go with it's Joey Gallo. Wait a second, when you say around, how close to the number 60 do you have to be for you to be right? I would say five one way or the other. Okay. So you think Joey Gallo has more home runs, more strikeouts than Trout has home runs? Oh, God, I was walks. way off. Yeah, you are. So it's 73? Scott? Uh, it's what Trout. You, it's Trout? Chris, you, I didn't look up Gallo's yet. All right, fine. All right, I, Scott, I was wait, time out, time out, time out. I was going to say Trout. Mike Trout has 73 home runs plus steals plus walks. How many strikeouts do you think Joey Gallo has? Okay, so we're almost to a third of the way through the season, and he's on pace for over. So he, he probably is right around 70. So you're uh, going Probably Trout? a little less. I'll go 68. All right. Gallo has 72 strikeouts. Mike Trout has 73 home runs plus steals plus walks. <laughs> and Chris destroyed fantasy math. Last one. Which is greater, Freddie Freeman's on base percentage or Brian Dozier's slugging percentage? Freeman. Yep. Yep. Freeman. 424 to 416. Freddie Freeman. Did you guys talk about the ridiculous Brian Dozier double the other day? Uh, it's got stuck on the wall. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. We did pretty well at this. Yeah, you guys did well. I mean, they were, they were all pretty close. Like, they were all within. Yeah. One I think you or... telegraphed it a little too much. No, we got the Machado thing wrong. Exactly. Oh, uh, on, on the subject of correcting things we got wrong, Heath has Porcello 20 spots behind me. So I was wrong about that. Okay. There we go. All right, real quick on this one here. Are we sure there's nothing wrong with Jose Altuve? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, the one, the one thing I'm worried about with Altuve is 
has he just stopped running? Because that's always that's always a fear with middle of the order hitters who who make stolen bases a big part of their game. Is it just made become necess- unnecessary at some point to expose them and their 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 uh, their team to that risk? And uh, it being considering he's getting on base at about the same rate he always does, and that number's way down. I am a little worried about that, but I do think the lack of home runs to this point is just the capricious nature of home runs over the course of the season. All his bat ball tendencies are more or less exactly what they were a year ago. Yeah, or better. And I think those are going to come around. Uh, and for Altuve, he has two steals in his last four games, which is nice. He has four on the season. Now, uh, those can come in bunches, too. Yes. As oh, we've yeah. seen from Tim Anderson and Whit Merrifield this year. Charlie Blackman, are we sure there's nothing wrong here? Uh, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but the <laughs> Rockies have played the fewest home games in Major League Baseball. Only 18 of their 50 games so far have been in the friendly confines of Coors Field. Yeah, I, actually, that is this research on Charlie Blackman is what inspired <laughs> the stat of the day. Uh, the funny thing is Blackman's been bad at home this year, and he's got 11 home runs on the road. And at home, he's batting 232 with one homer in 15 games. So that's uh that's 15 weird. games. Yes, I am sure there's nothing wrong with Charlie Black. And this guy's uh not quite in the same tier, but are we sure there's nothing wrong with Michael Conforto? Man, I feel like I certainly thought, all right, he's snapping out of it. He went 11 for 31 in an eight-game stretch with three homers very recently, and since then he's three for 19 with no extra base hits. I mean, of yeah. course we're not sure. Right. He's coming back from a severe injury. Right. Um, there, this may be something that takes all year to get over. This may be something that he's never over. But, you know, he's still so talented that I'm not dropping him. Okay. That's Michael Conforto. He's 80%. Yeah. Like, if, like the, everything Chris said is true. And yes, I'm worried. He's, he's not even in my top 40 outfielders, but at the same time, like he could have an a thousand OPS in June. And that's not what that wouldn't be shocking either. All right, well, if he does have a 1,000 OPS in June, I will want Michael Conforto on all of my Daily Fantasy Leagues, and I'm going to play Daily Fantasy on the Draft app. This is Daily Fantasy, but it's not like the other guys. And it's not just baseball either. They have a variety of sports on the Draft app. You play snake drafts, no salary caps here, so you're the only person who's going to own a specific player as you do snake drafts uh, with other people, just like in your season-long leagues. Once you're done drafting, you just set it and forget it. No waiver wire, no trades. And if one of your guys is out, you can get a notification from drafts so you can make a last-minute adjustment. Um, I've been doing drafts, as you know, all the time. Been losing them, but that's fine. I'm still loving them. And I'm getting great feedback from the listeners. So please join us on draft. You can follow me, Big Kane 2 or you can also... Uh, just compete against me. If you sign up using our promo code, you will automatically follow me. Uh, and that code is FB today. So download the draft app or go to draft.com and use the code FB today. You will get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. Again, it's on draft and the code is FB today. I am going to be an infomercial salesman right now and I'm going to say act now before it's too late with a question mark. Supplies are limited guys. Should we pick up the following players? Dustin Fowler, 31% owned. He's he's running. He's got three steals and five attempts in 13 games, and he started one for 10. Since then, he's been much better. Denard Spann, 39% owned. He's been running a little bit, too. Uh, stole a base last night, and he had a double, three runs, and two walks. Great OBP for Denard Spann. And Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo is making some improvements. I mean, you look at the plate discipline, 19 walks, 26 strikeouts. As a leadoff hitter, he has scored 15 runs in 19 games, and Brandon Nimmo is only 8% owned, and yes, it is pronounced Nimmo, not Nemo, sorry. Yep, been doing that wrong for years. Uh, <laughs> no, he's an interesting so player. I, I guess you could say you found Nimmo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on the waiver wire. So it's Dustin Fowler, Denard Span, and Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Nimmo the most available, but should we act now before oh. it's too late? I, I'm not sure Nimmo isn't the most interesting. Now, his relevance is going to hinge on how long... Uh, how long the Mets are at less than full health, but like he has but been their the best Mets. outfielder this year. He's terrible against left-handers, kind of like Conforto. Uh, but this is another example of a player whose prospect pedigree exceeded his production and seems to be playing out that way in the majors. Well, but, but he wasn't very good before this, right? With Nemo, 
in the majors. Well, he was also just breaking into the majors. And he, like he's 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 definitively a high on base guy, and I think uh, I think some of the power gains we've seen from him this year are legitimate. So I would like to see more from Nimmo. Now, like Denard Span is probably the most useful, just because he's the one who's going to come closest to playing every day. Particularly if this Tyler O'Neill madness continues in St. Louis, I think Fowler's going to be the one who suffers the most. Oh from no, that. Dustin Fowler. Dustin Fowler. Not Dexter. Oh, Dustin Fowler yeah, of the A's. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. He's the best base dealer, Dex, uh, Dustin of the group, and has been playing more regularly than I thought he would actually, but he hasn't hit well. Well, so I, Chris I, I Davis think... on the DL. Yeah, that's been that's helping. true. Also, he's 0 for 1 against lefties, so I think maybe they just haven't faced many lately. Dustin Fowler. Well, he yeah, he hadn't played against a lefty at all until Chris Davis went on the DL. I'm not sure if they faced one since, but yeah, that like he hadn't started a single game against them. Right. But this is this is a a top prospect, a you know not a tippy top prospect, but a top <laughs> 50 prospect. Uh, did you like tippy uh, top? top 100? Uh, and, um, you know, was putting up like 25, 25 kind of numbers at AAA. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do have to, right. As Scott said, Span has the most playing time. He's probably the least exciting, but he could help he's you the in least an OBP. exciting, league. but like he's really like, particularly in a points league because he good plate discipline, good extra base hitter. He's he's always been undervalued in that format, but this is, especially so this year. That's the problem we always run into. He he might be undervalued. Is he one of the top forty in points? Probably not. Yeah, because they're usually smaller lineups. Yeah. It's no, I think it's more our, like a five by like a five outfielder OBP. Oh, exactly. I would never be ashamed to start Denard Span in a points league. Oh, you like, should. If be. I needed a fill in or something, you absolutely should be. Okay, I would I would make I would point and laugh. Okay. By the way, Dustin Fowler. <laughs> Dustin Fowler uh, did not start against a lefty two games ago. That was the only lefty they faced since Chris Davis went on the DL, which was only a few days ago. All righty. Should we take a look at the most added list? We usually cover the most added list organically, which means we're doing the right thing. But we should look at it anyway. So here is the most added list. Oh, I'm sorry. We still haven't gotten to the baseball thing. Okay, after this, Chris. I know you're champing at the bit. Uh, Juan Soto. Jesus Aguilar, we still excited about him. He's sixty percent owned. Jesus Aguilar, yeah, he's had a good week, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's uh, supposed to. He hasn't played much this week. I think he sat. What? He's only played come, two games. Come on, Brewers. Uh, he's played three games. I'm sorry. He's not having nope. that good of a week, but he has three RBIs in three games. That's good. He had a, he had a big game. I remember that. He did. Yeah. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez hasn't gotten a save since joining the most added list, but he's probably he's probably good enough just to be a middle reliever if you want some ratios. Well, this... I mean Hector Neris got a save. Yeah, I mean he is he is. I actually uh, yesterday I had a column the top twelve most useful non closing relievers, and it was actually like fourteen because I lumped three asters together. But Sir Anthony. Dominguez was in the honorable mentions, and I have a feeling he probably would have cracked the top twelve if there were a little more inning, a few more innings to his name. It just seemed a little early to elevate him quite that high, but yeah, he was he he got a mention in there. Well, you've already knighted him. How much higher can you elevate, (laughs) (laughs) Sir Anthony Dominguez? All right, Scott, Tyler O'Neill and Austin Meadows are back to back on the most added list. They are fourth and fifth. Who would you rather have, Tyler O'Neill or Austin Meadows? I mean, we're fairly sure, unless life finds a way and somebody else gets hurt, that Meadows is going back down. So just for that reason, um, the potential O'Neal stays part of like a four-man outfield rotation for the Cardinals. I'd say O'Neal. And Tyler O'Neal's probably better. His, I don't know. His profile, based on the scouting reports, as well as the minor league numbers, and you know, even if you want to give more weight to the, the scouting report, he also produced. And he's produced in the majors. He has hit a lot of home runs and in the minors. And he's stolen bases. Like this I'm, is in in AAA, he's played like a, around 160 games, and he's been like a 45 home or 15 steal guy. Even with concerns about yeah. whether he makes contact and whether he has a place to play, I think he's a more interesting profile for fantasy than Austin Meadows is. I think he's a more interesting profile than Dustin Fowler. Uh, I'm all like, I don't know. I, I don't expect him to run much in the majors because, I mean, everybody steals 15 bases in the minors. I didn't. <laughs> um, 
I feel like I, I'm not sure what he brings to the table other than power. And in today's environment, especially, I'm not sure that is that special. Um, you know, I, I mean, just look at how disposable Matt Adams has become. He's I feel like it's a similar offensive well, profile to that. When Adams is OK, OK, you're saying just home runs and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I got you. All right, Scott uh, and Chris, let's move on. Chris, let's talk about the baseballs. Here's what's coming up for the rest of the show for the next 15 minutes of your life. Um, baseballs, yeah, well, you know, they're they're traveling far. Uh, two-star pitchers and a bunch of your emails and a look at today's matchups. So a group of researchers studied the baseballs, did not come to any decisive conclusions on why they are traveling farther, but I did think that they sort of ruled out the launch angle thing. That was interesting. What was your take on it, Chris? I found the whole thing sort of underwhelming and disappointing. Um, I, I think it's always interesting and, and useful and instructive when we do these kind of research uh, things. It, when um, when we can rule things out, even if we don't have the answer. And so in in that way, it is interesting that you know they don't think it's the you know the balls bouncing more, it's denser, or any of those things. The the one thing I always come to though is. MLB, whenever they talk about this and whenever there's like an officially sanctioned thing, they always talk about, well, the ball is within these limits. And that's true. It just, that's never been the argument. Like the argument has never been that the balls are like being tampered with in some way that would be obvious to the eye. I, I think the, the argument has always just been that these slight differences tend to add up over the disc, the course of a 400 foot batted ball. Mm-hmm. And it can turn a 395 foot one into a 405 foot one. Yeah. And, but but they know, weren't, they kind of, weren't really sure that they could pinpoint what the difference was, right? Like they said that Rawlings is actually doing a really good job. Yeah. With the uniformity of the specs of the baseball. Yeah. And the, the hypothesis that I thought, that I saw that were pretty interesting were maybe the ball's a little smoother. And so that's creating less drag and that's part of it. Or maybe Rawlings has gotten so good at making the baseballs that they are more closer, more, well, more I, spherical, I think, was the one of the uh, one of the ideas they're, they're, was that they the balls maybe are less inconsistent and more of them are are more close to a perfect sphere and that would help the ball travel farther. There have been a number of studies on the ball already, right? What like this is just what, a larger. In one. In what way does this supersede those? It's no, this larger... this was just a larger one that okay. uh, that was officially sanctioned by MLB. Oh, yeah, but okay. but it doesn't have MLB people in it. They used outside people. Yeah, it's a bunch of outside experts. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I thought it was good that they were like, look, something's going on. We know something's going on. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, and uh, the scary thing was that the word humidor popped up as in, are they going to start, you know, using humidors in, in other parks? We, we already know they're, you know, they're trying to kind of Find a way to, uh, have everybody store the baseballs in a very similar sense, right? Uh, but what I don't want, I don't want more Arizonas out there. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, I've gone, I've done this rant before, but I think it would be very bad for baseball if there were fewer home runs right now, given all the other trends around the game. You know, given the advent of more shifting and more creative shifting and more productive shifting, uh, given how much harder everyone's throwing and how much that's led to more strikeouts, Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about a potential dead ball era in 2014 and the first half of 2015. Well, we, it, at least I, and I think a lot of people want more, um, in-game action. Yeah. Which would mean fewer home runs, but it would mean fewer other things too. Like just a drop in home runs is not going to solve the problem. Right. A drop in home runs is going to make it worse. Yeah. Um, I so, would, I would like to see them, uh, eliminate extreme shifts as a way to, get more action well, and that would well, be well I I know this is an unpopular opinion and we've talked about it before but I am I am with you I yeah. think they should I think they should make a rule that there needs to be two infielders on And each side there was an the interesting there was an interesting bit of research from Baseball Prospectus this week about the res, the the kind of ancillary benefits and side effects of shifting and they've actually found that like pitchers walk more batters when the shift is on and that has actually kind of in terms of overall production, it kind of negated the the gains. I, I'm you know, That's paraphrasing, That's but that that was from what I gathered. Kind of, I didn't read the whole thing, so sorry. <laughs> but th- from what I gathered, that was part of the results of that, and I, I thought that was interesting. 
Okay, going to wrap up the news and notes. Miguel Sano is back. The Rays are going to start three relievers, uh, a reliever in all three games against Baltimore this weekend. Wellington Castillo is, in fact, suspended for 80 games. Dustin Pedroia is going to be back today, or Eduardo Nunez will be in a utility role. George Stringer stole two bases yesterday. He now has three steals in his last six games and three steals for the year. Mark Trumbo could need an MRI on his knee. If you are desperate for steals and you don't want a good hitter, just somebody who's going to steal, Craig Gentry does have six, seven steals this year, seven and eight attempts. Uh, Jay Bruce, Scott, is, you know, you mentioned him as a buy low, and then somebody tweeted us or emailed us and said he's got plantar fasciitis. And does he? I know he had it earlier this year. Do you think he's playing hurt? And would that mean you wouldn't want to buy low on Jay Bruce? From what I understand, that's not Scott talking. Not Scott. I know you asked Scott. <laughs> no, go ahead, Chris. From, I just wanted from, to clarify since people mix up our voices. From what I understand, <laughs> plantar fasciitis is one of those things that you're kind of always playing through. Well, like it, it, it's not something that, it heals itself by not being on it. Yeah. And if you have to, like Albert Pohl is a great example. He's just kind of been playing through plantar fasciitis for like eight years now. And then there's not really a surgical intervention. Like you can get, I would assume you can get like a, an injection to make the pain better, but it's, it kind of just has to heal itself and it's hard to do that. Yeah. You're... He, he did. He was, um, he was, he did take some time off for it in April. I know that much. I mean, the bottom line is, I just don't know. Because, like, if, if it's not bothering him, then no, that's not it. Uh, there's an article here from the New York Post on May 19th, um, that kind of rules that out. I don't, I, I'm not reading the whole thing like Chris. I'm just skimming through it. In the all right, all right. I'm speeding up here. Francisco Cervelli was available to pinch it. He's day to day with a hand injury. Joe Musgrove is going to start today. He's RP eligible. Carlos Rodon left a minor league start after being hit in the forehead by a line drive. I think he dodged a bullet. I don't think he got a real serious injury, but we hope for the best for. No, he tried Carlos to keep Rodon. pitching through yes. it. I was, I was watching some highlights of it. Yes, I, I knew that. All right, I think we should do two star pitchers and finish with emails and matchups. So we've already highlighted the best ones, and they would be Caleb Smith and Marco Gonzalez and maybe Kyle Gibson. Um, okay, so looking at the studs, going to scroll for some at Colorado's. At Colorado's. Um, we're going to start Chris Archer with two road starts at Oakland and at Seattle, I assume. Yep. We're going to start Michael Waka at Milwaukee and home against Pittsburgh. Yep. Is it too risky to start Luke Weaver? Do we know? Because he might not be a two-star pitcher. Yeah, I mean, starting in a one-star week, he's at Milwaukee yeah. or at versus Pittsburgh. I, I'm pretty confident he's going since he's lined up for Monday. Uh, Waka's. I'm actually less confident in Waka because he'd be the one pushed back if Reyes came in Tuesday. Okay. So I, I feel pretty good about Weaver. Uh, Kenta Maeda, Philadelphia, and at Colorado. Yeah, probably not in a weekly league. Okay. Kenta Maeda, you said? Yeah. yeah. Philadelphia and at Colorado. I think I would. I think I would. All right. As, you know, his last two starts were dominant. Julio Tehran, Mets, and Nationals at home. Yeah. I'm more hesitant with him. I'd rather start him than Maeda. He's been awful lately in SunTrust Park. Felix Hernandez, Texas, and Tampa Bay at home. I, I guess I'd rather have start him than Maeda. I want it. I, I think I'd rather take. I, I mean, Hernandez hasn't been good this year. Right? No. ERA over five. No, yeah. I'm, so I'm just gonna old. say no. Just say no to Felix Hernandez. Vince Velasquez. At, I would not, much rather start him than any yeah. of those three. You gotta sit Sabathia against Houston and at Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yep. You gotta sit Tyler Chatwood at Pittsburgh at the Mets. You gotta trade Tyler Chatwood. What are you doing? Drop Tyler <laughs> Chatwood. Yeah, maybe. All right, we like Caleb Smith. What about Chad Bettis with two home starts? No. Nope. Aaron Sanchez, no. Nope. No. Jeremy Hellickson at Baltimore and at Atlanta, assuming he's healthy no. enough to make it. No? Okay. Mm. Nah. Uh, Not in this week. Okay, moving down the list. Yvonne Nova, Cubs and Cardinals at the Cardinals. Nope. Kyle Gibson at Kansas City and home against Cleveland? We've said we're okay with that. Nope. We've Matt, said that already, yeah. Yes, I know. Matt Cook. Uh, Cincinnati and the, and the Marlins. Good matchups for Matt Cook. Matchups don't home. get much better than that, but. 
He'd be way down the list of acceptable. Like, he might be an acceptable two-start pitcher this week, but he'd be way down the list. We got Chad Cool against the Cubs and at the Cardinals. No. I like him better than some of the guys who are owned in more leagues than him, but I, I just I don't think this is the week you really need to dig that deep. Uh, Matthew Boyd, Angels and Blue Jays. No. Yeah, he's kind of in the cool class for me. He left with the it's oblique spasms. <laughs> cool class. I was never in the I cool was always class. in the cool I was in the cool class. <laughs> I was in the nerdy class. Yeah, I was always in the nerd class. Well, it was the nerdy class until I got into the class and became the cool class. Oh, my goodness. Steven Matz at Atlanta, home against the Cubs. <laughs> no. Nope. No. Dan Straley. Here's an interesting one. Dan Straley at San Diego and at Arizona. <laughs> At Arizona is a great place to pitch. He's had such a weird start to the season since coming back from the forearm injury because he's getting a decent amount of strikeouts. He's also walking everyone, which is not. Sorry, uh, I just just want to get a yes or no on Dan Straley. I think it's a little it's a little bit of a sleeper. I like him more than like Cool and Boyd. Okay. Uh, cool and Boyd sounds like a great like cop show. <laughs> uh, Marco Gonzalez, yes. And then there's Brandon McCarthy, Domingo Herman, Alex Cobb, uh, Lance Lynn, Adam Plutko, etc. Is there anyone you like? No, not enough to start. I mean, I know Eric Lauer's been a disaster so far, but he's versus Miami and versus Cincinnati. There's pedigree there. Probably not, though. I think his last start was was brilliant. It was good. Remember those but. commercials? Brilliant. Yeah, of course. I don't. What? Are you serious, you little 29-year-old? I'm, I'm just being disagreeable. I watched a lot of PTI in college, and that was like their premier sponsor. Don't back in the drink day. all 12 beers at the same time. Brilliant. Whatever it was. All right, I'm going to do the matchups now. Stick around for the emails if you so choose. Here are today's matchups. We've got the Giants and the Cubs. Derek Holland and Kyle Hendricks. Hundreds. Yep. John Gantz at Joe Musgrove. Gantz last stand? No. I'm going to say <laughs> no. Either. Is that a thing? Well, it's his last stand. It's not like... <laughs> no to either. You, or like, to both. Anytime somebody says John Gantz, I think of Ron Gantz, by the way. Of course. Sam, what the Gavilio or Zach Efron Eflin? Nope. No. Okay, I got my eyes on Eflin. You would. Andrew Heaney at Luis Severino. Luis Severino. Uh, Heaney's been good. I like him moving forward, but is it in, is at, it in New Yankee, York? St- at yeah. Yankee Stadium is like the worst yeah, possible outcome. <laughs> Ronaldo Lopez at Mike Fires. I would prefer to not start Ronaldo Lopez. I prefer not to, too, but I could see doing it <laughs> if I need an extra start. This one cracks me up. David Hess at Sergio Robo. No, we'll sit him. Julio Tehran at Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, so Julio Tehran's not going to be a two-star pitcher next week. I'll start Eduardo Rodriguez. Braves have been striking out a lot lately. Yeah. So what happens when teams have double headers? Sometimes it screws up the projections for two-star pitchers, and that's happening with the Braves. Yep. Max Scherzer, yes. Julio uh, Jose Arena, no. Uh, Dallas Keiko and Kluber, yes. Eric Skoglin, no. Mike Miner against the Royals. Sure. Mm. Okay. He's staying. <laughs> Noah Syndergaard. No, he doesn't. Noah Syndergaard at Junior Guerra. Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. Um, and not Guerra. Even though he's been pretty good lately, I don't, I don't buy it. Would you start John Gray at home against the Reds? Yes. Yep. Patrick Corbin at Shamanaya. Yes. To both. Fernando Romero at James Paxton. Yes. Yep. Clayton Richard at Ross Stripling. No. Uh, maybe uh, stripling as a, okay. as a stream, but uh, you know I'm starting stripling. I'd rather start stripling than Reynaldo Lopez. All right, sorry for making everybody wait so long. I hope you still care about the emails. This is a couple of uh, Paul Goldschmidt trade questions from Travis. Give up Paxton and Acuna. Get Paul Goldschmidt. Grade the trade. Give up Paxton and Acuna for Goldschmidt. Uh, I think it's a C minus. Yeah. Okay. From John H. Uh, I dealt Goldschmidt for Michael Brantley and Jose Martinez. Did I get enough? No. No. No, no. From I, I like it better than the Paxton deal. I'm, 
I'd call that a C trade. I, I think you got enough. Really? Brantley and Jose Martinez for Goldschmidt? Oh, you know what? I was seeing it from the other perspective. Yeah, no. Sorry. One you guy got Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt and one guy gave Goldschmidt. Sorry. I do that sometimes. New listeners, I do that sometimes. I hear it backwards. And uh, I apologize. Yeah, sometimes. It's very confusing. Sometimes is an understatement. Uh, this is from <laughs> Nick. Should I, should he drop any of these slumping hitters? Hanley, Corey Dickerson, or Reese Hoskins? For Nimmo, Profar, Rojas, Desmond, Healy, Marwin, Span, Trumbo, Peraza, Beltre. Okay, that's a lot. There's a lot going on here. I would drop Hanley for Beltre with just an eye on the future. And I think Hanley's still pretty good, but I'd rather have Adrian Beltre. Oh, it's a great yeah. email that I wish I had read earlier from David S. Can Tyler Glass now become 80% version of Josh Hader? And Glass now in his last five appearances, one earned run, 12 strikeouts to one walk in nine and a third. I would really rather he get a chance to start. I don't know if it's going to happen. But, yeah, he can be. He can be overpowering in stretches. You know who else is doing this is Amir Garrett. He's also had an, an incredible run uh, recently as a reliever. But he was on that top 12 list I talked about. Garrett, Amir Garrett was. The, the only problem is there just aren't that many teams who are willing to do that in fantasy. And, you know, they're, you, you reach a point of diminishing returns with those guys. From Isaac, Trevor Bauer is kind of reminding me of Max Scherzer in terms of a slow-building career. Yeah, unfair comparison, but not in terms of the heights. He's not going to be Max Scherzer, but he's pretty good. Grade the trade from David. Give up Zach Greinke, get Cody Bellinger, and Rafael Devers. Give up Greinke, get Bellinger, and Devers. It's a fair trade. I'd rather have the ace. Yeah. So we'll give it a C minus. And from Kenny, Rafael Devers was dropped in my points league. I have the number two waiver wire priority. Should I go for Rafael Devers? It would be just for a utility. I would be dropping Tyler O'Neill. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Thank you guys. Everybody have a great weekend. We will come back on Tuesday with another another episode of Fantasy Baseball Today. For Scott and Chris, I'm Adam. Talk to you Tuesday. Tuesday.